What is up, college lacrosse fans? You are watching the Lax Factor podcast. This is another weekend recap, and today we're going to focus less on the games and, and specific moments of the games, and more on the games and what that means for those teams moving forward in their conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of how we're going to attack this today. But first, before I do, I wanted to talk to you about a new product we're offering up: the Big League Lighting Lacrosse Helmet Lamp. You all have that helmet either buried in an equipment bag or on on your shelf collecting dust. And you're never going to look at it again or pull it out and use it again. It's just sitting there. That doesn't have to be the fate of your old lax bucket, your pal, your homie, that thing that protected your head all of those years so that you can actually think and continue to reason and be a part of society, hopefully. Uh, you can now have your favorite lacrosse helmet and stick turned into an LED lamp and turn that non-functional clutter into a dope accessory. I'm losing my mic here. So be sure to go to laxfactor.com forward slash lamp to check that out. And as always, like and subscribe uh, to help support us. And we can go to laxfactor.com and get yourself a dope t-shirt as well. So I digress. Let's get into this. All right, first game up, we'll kind of go through the top 10 here, and then a couple of other teams, was Penn State Hopkins. What we learned is that Penn State is ridiculously good offensively. There's there's nothing, there's no one you can try to just focus on and then shut this team down. They You go after Amet, which they did. He still goes four and three. He just doesn't put up a 10-point game, but he still tears you up for seven. Uh, Jack Kelly comes back from injury, goes four and one on the game. They're, they're deep offensively in terms of their point production. Uh, Mac O'Keefe is a killer. He goes one and one. He was quiet, but then Folds and Spillane go three and one and two and one respectively. So between goalkeeping and Kobe Canise being a solid goalkeeper defensively, they play well and they force a lot of turnovers. I think eight in this game against Hopkins. Penn State right now, by far the most dangerous team in the country. Uh, obviously, Vegas has them as the favorite. They are legitimately the favorite, and they are the only team that I would I would say I feel good that they have a very good chance of winning the whole thing this year. Every, there's Penn State, and then there's everybody else. Uh, I think Penn State's the only team that I will assume isn't going doesn't have a legitimate shot at getting upset in the first round because I don't think anyone's going to be able to stop them with their complete game. And you can't say that about anybody else in the tournament field. Every other team that will make the tournament could lose in the first round. I think Penn State's the only one that I feel very confident wouldn't. Uh, what's this mean for Hopkins? Is It's, uh, it's just tough. They're, they've got to win the Big Ten pretty much to get into the NCAA tournament. they got to win the Big Ten tournament. And I'm not sure they're going to be able to win you know, their next game and if they, you know, and then win in the big 10 tournament there, Cole Williams played tough and that's key. He's been uh, much better and much more aggressive the last couple of games. But you know, in this case, Joey Epstein gets shut down. He's been the most consistent offensive player for Hopkins. He goes for an assist Kyle Marr, uh, just a goal. So Hopkins is hurting Penn state best team in the country, hands down, no question. And they, they've got the best shot moving forward in my mind of winning the entire tournament. We'll move on to another Big Ten game, Maryland against Ohio State. So in this game, Ohio State just trying to prove they belong. You know, they're, the criticism and everything, all the bad things people have been saying about Ohio State was related to the weakness of their schedule early on. Now that they've been in the Big Ten tournament, they're eight and three, and and still, you know, now looking like a good team. Their losses have been close and to good teams. Maryland, eleven and two, and I don't know why everyone's player hating on Maryland so badly. They're eleven and two. Uh, the the it's second best team in the country, and more importantly, their 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 losses have been to good teams, 
and where they keep winning games. So this one was ugly. Sure, they get a lead, they lose it, they they're down, they come back, they win. Jared Bernhardt may have been in the crease uh, on his goal, uh, the on, in his game winning goal in overtime, but. The reality is that Maryland has as good a shot as anybody. I don't think they have a better shot than any other team that that are in the top 10 overall because they've proven to be suspect at times defensively, suspect at times between the boxes, and offensively consistent but not consistent. You know, they don't put a full game together, but they're going to get you goals when you need them. So Logan Wisnowskis is a big reason why Bernhardt is. DeMeo has played ridiculously solid lacrosse. He's just a high IQ guy, a spark plug. So I dig him. Dubik's been solid off ball um, for Maryland, but they're they're shaky, just like Duke. I'm going to talk about Duke next. Duke is shaky because they're they they're prone to to dropping a quarter or two, and that's how you get beat in the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament. So uh, Maryland as good a shot as any, sitting at 11 and two. Their conference tournament doesn't matter much for them other than continuing to improve, continuing to play top quality teams, and and getting themselves ready for the NCAA tournament. Now we'll get into the ACC with Duke. It took everything Duke had to beat Marquette. Duke had a lead most of the game. It went back and forth. Marquette actually ended up with a lead late. I think Marquette took the, took a lead early in the fourth, and then Duke scored a game-tying goal, and then the game-winning goal. Brad Smith puts up the game-winner, assisted by Nakai Montgomery, I believe. So Duke is like Maryland. Duke is capable of beating anyone. Duke is capable of winning this entire tournament. Duke is also capable of getting beat in the first round of the tournament or the second, at least, you know, so Duke does not have an easy path to the, uh, to the semis like they have in past years, because a, the tournament field is much more filled out. It is one of the deepest tournament fields we are going to have seen ever. I believe I'm a lot of people are really excited about this NCAA tournament because I think we're going to see more upsets than we've ever seen. I bet you we see three or four upsets in the first round. And I, I mean upsets in the in the sense that it'll be an upset against the seeding of the tournament. But I think we'll also see a couple of the traditional powers get bounced early. Hopefully it's not Syracuse. Duke could be one of those teams. But Duke, when they're putting everything together, playing well at the faceoff X, playing well between the boxes, they're as good as anybody. Defensively and offensively, they're straight. They're a little bit inconsistent offensively and they have some problems between the boxes. They have problems with turnovers. But if they can shore that up, as good a chance as anyone to get to Memorial Day weekend. Um, but and l- let's just hope we don't see them lose in the first round. And they're already set for the ACC tournament. So Duke, an interesting team to watch here come uh, come the the selection, uh, selection Sunday, I believe they do it. Uh, next one, now we get into the Ivy. Yale has been riding TD Erlen all year. Offensively, they have been shaky. Defensively, at times, they're shaky. I think defensively now, they're actually playing a little bit better than they're playing offensively. Uh, and I offensively haven't figured it out. They're winning so many faceoffs. I'm not sure why they struggle at times to put points up and to finish teams off. They took an early lead here against Albany, and then it ends up just being 10-5 despite Erlen going 16-17 from the faceoff X in his return to Albany. So that was another one of the big storylines here. Uh, Jack Starr played solid in cage, so not sure why they didn't put it on Albany a little bit more, and I did watch the game. It was just an odd way that things transpired here. Uh, and it wasn't like crazy goalie play from Sikursky or anything like that. So Yale, they've just got to figure out how to put together a full game like a lot of these teams up here. They are built to win it all here still. Offensively, they are deep if they can just figure out how to how to play. Like Whereas a team like Syracuse struggled early and now they're putting it together fully offensively, Yale just hasn't got there. But that doesn't mean they can't by the end of the, the um, Ivy League tournament and getting into the NCAA tournament. So just like everyone else, because of TD Erlen, 
they can win the whole thing. They can get to Memorial Day weekend, or if they if they draw a tough matchup for Erlen, if they can find somebody that can turn those faceoffs into 50-50 balls, which Albany didn't even try to do, by the way. They just gave them the, the faceoffs for the most part, especially when they put polls in. Um, if, if, if Yale faces a team in the first or second round that can tie Erlen up a little bit and win even just five faceoffs in a game, Yale could get bounced. That's going to be the key to bouncing Yale. Next up, we go to Loyola and Army. Uh, Army scared Loyola a little bit early, but Pat Spencer took over, and then the you know the rest of the guys, Scanlon, Olmstead, and Brown went all went two and one. Lindley went two and zero. Oh, Duffy one and one. Stover had a solid game. Spencer was four and three, so he didn't have a ten point game, but he still puts up seven. So Loyola defensively, they're a little bit shaky. But they've been playing solid still, and it's not like they've been able to take a week off here these last few games. The key to beating Loyola is slowing down Pat Spencer. Now, if guys like Chase Scanlon can can kind of become a little bit more aggressive when when Spencer is being a little bit more controlled, uh, they're going to need to be able to have a guy like Scanlon put up four or five points in a game where uh, Spencer only puts up four or five points, and that's going to be the key to their success in the NCAA tournament on top of winning faceoffs and and playing solid defense, which they struggle with at times. But once again, like everybody else, as good of a chance as anyone at this point outside of Penn State to, to get themselves to Memorial Day weekend, but I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they get bounced in the first round and, and you know the chance that they lose in the second round goes up drastically. Um, we go to Syracuse Navy. Uh, Syracuse is is a scary team to face right now. Offensively, they have figured it out. They still don't have the alpha. That's going to be the knock against Syracuse. I, I'm hoping that Rafis, his this two two goals and five assist game, proves that he's about to take over the reins for this offense and that he's the, going to be the one that's going to lead them in those close games against teams that they're about to have between the ACC tournament and the, and the NCAA tournament. But that's what they have to figure out. Tromboli played great. The other thing with Syracuse that I want to see, they're playing a lot of midfielders. I'd like to see them trim that midfield play down to six guys. Let two solid lines of midfielders get those offensive reps as far as you need to. And if if they're not playing well, then you can work that seventh and eighth guy in. But they've been playing eight midfielders every game, game in and game out. And I think it obviously hasn't hurt them. Uh, they're staying in the win column here for the most part, but I think coming into the playoffs and into the uh, the tournament time here, I think that it would be key to start getting your your six best middies more offensive looks, and I think that's going to be, if they can do that and they can get a, a solid six midfielders playing really solid ball here and getting a good flow uh, coming out of the ACC tournament, that Syracuse, this is the best chance they have to get to Memorial Day weekend in a while. And that that's that's a stupid thing to say because they have been the number one seed one year and the number two seed another year over the course of the last four years. So they've been a top seed in the tournament twice over the last four tournaments, and they still got bounced in the first or second round. But um, this year just feels different. This year they have a goalkeeper in Drake Porter that I think is the best goalie they've had since uh, Joey Galloway. Um, and I think that um, – John Galloway, sorry – and uh, and I think defensively, this is the best te- defense. This is the best defense Syracuse has been playing in a long time. Their defensive midfielders have been playing excellent. Their close D is excellent. They're winning faceoffs. They're playing excellent on the wings. I'm saying excellent a lot, but Syracuse is a is a solid team, and I think they have a very good chance uh, to get themselves to Memorial Day weekend. But 
the big but here is they're also very capable of, of getting bounced in the first round also. Just like everyone else, there is no guarantee that the tournament field is just too deep and Syracuse faces the same challenge that everyone else does. Depending on who you draw and how that matchup plays out, you have to be playing your best lacrosse come that first round of the NCAA tournament this year, and that's just a fact. Virginia, I only cover this because they're in that mix in the top 10. Uh, they smoke Maris. Virginia has to play solid defense and they have to play better between the boxes. Defensively, they are good to poor, depending on the day. Uh, between the boxes, it's not much different. Offensively, they are always good and they can beat you in a million different ways. So you're going to have to outscore Virginia come tournament time, but when they're playing their best ball, look out. So they fit in that same category. They easily could be one of the last four teams standing in the NCAA tournament, but they could also get a bad draw in that first round and get bounced. Marist got to win their conference tournament and that one doesn't matter. And we get to Penn. Penn, I don't like their ranking. I still don't think Penn deserves the number four spot here, but they're offensively, they can fill it up defensively, they are always solid. They play well between the boxes. They're capable of winning face-offs. Um, goalkeeping, Junkin is is always a solid goalkeeper and has been uh, through his career so far. So 8-3, and three, they got the Ivy League tournament, so they have chances to improve. I understand why they're ranked here, but it almost seems like the committee is weighing their three losses more heavily than their couple of quality wins that they have. They've only got quality wins, I think, against Yale, and uh, I guess Villanova, the win over Villanova is looking better. So I don't know. I don't know how to read Penn. And then they beat Cornell. I don't know how to read Penn. But they're w- with because of the solid play throughout, they're, they're decent at everything. That's going to make them dangerous in the tournament. I, I dare say they may end up, depending on the seeding, they may be one of those teams that upsets one of these more classic teams. So when I'm saying we're going to see a lot more upsets this year, I don't mean that, it's, that any of us are necessarily going to be surprised. Um, by the outcome of some of these games that will be upsets. I mean, there'll be more upsets on paper, I think, uh, because seeding. You know, you have a team that's that's a seeded team playing an unseeded team. That's technically on paper an upset, even if we don't look at it that way. But this is a – Penn is one of those teams that could very well end up being an unseeded team, and they could very well make it to Memorial Day weekend regardless. And as we go through a couple of others, let's see here. Boston U beats Holy Cross 15-11, so they're a team to watch – Moving forward here, UMass, another team to watch moving forward. They get a win over Fairfield, Denver. I didn't cover them, but as always, they're dangerous. Utah, not that this has any tournament implications, but Utah got spanked. So I think their lack of depth on their roster finally has caught up with them. But good luck moving forward because they've done a great job out there and, and people have been insanely interested in what they do. Princeton, 1915 over Harvard. So Princeton, I believe they faced, who is it? I think they might have... Cornell on Tuesday, uh, moving forward. So they pretty much got to win the conference tournament there. They could do some damage. Villanova, same thing. Notre Dame and North Carolina. That was one I didn't talk about for some reason yet. So the the kicker here, North Carolina's problem is their depth offensively and then just overall throughout their roster. They're, they're not built uh, to, to do anything crazy in the long term in the tournament, although because they're in the ACC tournament and they have to play Syracuse, they run the table. They can still get in the, in the tournament and they could be one of those unseated teams that ends up um, upsetting someone. North Carolina could be, but probably not. I feel like I feel like Syracuse is probably going to handle them in the tournament, and they're they're but they get a home game against Syracuse on Thursday. Notre Dame as dangerous as anyone. You give them one more win in the ACC tournament, which they have a chance at picking up, and and then give them a good shot at a at a, at a second. 
they're in the tournament and they can beat anybody. So Notre Dame and North Carolina, I didn't cover the game earlier on. I don't even know why. I think I just forgot to click on it to, to bring it up. But that those are two more interesting teams because they would be teams <clears throat> that should they make the tournament, they would be the ones playing spoiler. So uh, uh, a couple of other games here. High Point, they they struggled to beat Bellarmine or Bellarmine. I think it's Bellarmine. You guys are going to correct me, I know. Uh, Towson uh, beat Delaware to, to keep their hopes alive. So a ton of great lacrosse, a ton of things. And, and moving forward here this week, uh, when we do the preview show this weekend, we'll talk more about what these games mean and what we're going to learn from these games and hope to learn from these games moving forward. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more bubble teams this week in terms of, you know, we always cover the top teams and what they're doing. This week we'll get into a little bit more into the mids and the bubble teams because it's going to be key to see how this tournament fills out and what what these uh, conference tournament matchups mean. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking mostly tournament implications, you know, how these games play into the tournaments or into their conference tournaments and less game-style crap. As always, be sure to like and subscribe and make sure you hit the notification bell. Be sure to go to laxfactor.com forward slash lamp and check out these cool lacrosse lamps. And as always, you can support us by buying a t-shirt. Go to laxfactor.com. Thank you for watching and we're out of here.